This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now, please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Greetings and welcome to Faith Moments, a weekly podcast to proclaim and to ponder our Sunday Mass readings. We are entering the 17th week in ordinary time on this July 24th. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. Glad to have new viewers joining me on Faith Moments. And if you've been here for a couple of weeks or for a while, fantastic to have you with me and to continue to to ponder the scriptures each and every week. And I'd invite you to click that subscribe button and stay with me here on Faith Moments as we continue to bring Faith Moments to the world through this media. As we get into our readings for this Sunday, I, the theme that came to me was pray like Jesus. So as we begin, I want to begin by taking a look at the collect today. And I like to open with a particular prayer. And as I've mentioned last week, you know, so many times in the collect, this is that opening prayer for the liturgy. And this is what, what just astounds me as I continue to reflect on the beauty of the liturgy of the church is that this is a prayer that everyone will hear in every Catholic church in the whole world on this Sunday, granted in various languages throughout the world, but you will hear this prayer. This is a prayer that the church is offering its people on this particular Sunday. And sometimes the prayer really ties into the liturgical season. Let's say if we're in Advent or if we're in Easter, or it might tie particularly into the theme of the scriptures for the week. And, and I just really invite us as we hear about praying like Jesus to listen to what the church is calling us to in terms of prayer, what she's praying for, for her people. And we might think, wow, this is a prayer for today, for 2022. But remember, this is a prayer of the liturgy. This is never ending. You know, this is like an eternal prayer. These are prayers that continue to be prayed throughout the seasons of the church. And it's, it's the heart. The heart of the church is praying for the needs of God's people. And so let's listen to this prayer. And then as we reflect and hear the scriptures, we may see some connections in the heart of this prayer and what is revealed in sacred scripture. Let us pray. Oh God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy. 
Bestow in abundance your mercy upon us and grant that with you as our ruler and guide, we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that ever endure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. We're going to hear about that mercy, God as our ruler and guide, and having a firm foundation. Keep those words in the in your heart as we read sacred scripture. Our first reading today in the 17th week of Ordinary Time comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18. In those days, the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grave, that I must go down and see whether or not their actions fully correspond to the cry against them that comes to me. I mean to find out. While Abraham's visitors walked on farther toward Sodom, the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Then Abraham drew nearer and said, Will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? Suppose there were 50 innocent people in the city. Would you wipe out the place rather than sparing it for the sake of the 50 innocent people within it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to make the innocent die with the guilty, so that the innocent and the guilty would be treated alike. Should not the judge of all the world act with justice? The Lord replied, If I find fifty innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham spoke up again, See how I'm presuming to speak to my Lord, though I am but dust and ashes, what if there are five less than 50 innocent people? Will you destroy the whole city because of those five? He answered, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. But Abraham persisted, saying, What if only 40 are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it for the sake of the 40. Then Abraham said, Let not my Lord grow impatient if I go on. What if only 30 are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it if I can find but 30 there. Still Abraham went on. Since I have thus dared to speak to my Lord, what if there are no more than 20? The Lord answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. But he still persisted. Please, let not my Lord grow angry if I speak up this last time. What if there are at least ten there? He replied, For the sake of those ten, I will not destroy it. The Word of the Lord. The responsorial psalm is Psalm 138. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart. For you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things your name and your promise. 
When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk amid distress, you preserve me. Against the anger of my enemies, you raise your hand. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Your right hand saves me. The Lord will complete what he has done for me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. The second reading comes from the letter to St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 2. Brothers and sisters, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And even when you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he brought you to life along with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating the bond against us with its legal claims, which has which was opposed to us, he also removed it from our midst, nailing it to the cross. The word of the Lord. The gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up, and give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, as I said, I, I see one of the themes in these readings, pray like Jesus. And we hear the word, actually the word persistence, both in the God, the reading in Genesis, as we hear about Abraham persisting. And in fact, I think Abraham even says, you know, uh, still he persisted in asking the Lord to withhold his punishment to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the interesting thing is we don't read the rest of the chapter here, and it goes on to the obliteration of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Lot, one of the relatives of Abraham and Lot's two daughters, are saved from that punishment. The angels who come down, who are the visitors of Abraham, we, we heard last week, right, that Abraham received these three visitors, and some commentaries would say two of the visitors are messengers, the angels, and then the one is the Lord himself, because the Lord is continuing to talk with Abraham here, but the two other visitors go off to fulfill their assignment, so to speak, and that is to bring wrath upon Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not going to go on to what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Very, very wicked, very, very wicked things in those two cities by those people. And yet the messengers relent and allow Lot and his two daughters uh, go free from that area before Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Now we hear the story of, of Lot's wife who turns back and, and the messengers say, don't turn back and look to what is behind you because you'll turn into a pillar of salt. And she indeed did that. There was a consequence to her actions. And so Abraham is persistent in asking for the Lord to, to uh, spare the lives of all of Sodom and Gomorrah, yet he doesn't go far enough, and he's just asking for 10. If there are 10 innocent people, but apparently there weren't even 10 innocent people in the land because the Lord did give a a there was a result to the con there was a consequence to the actions of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah who were living very, very wicked lives. So one of the messages that we might get from this is to continue to persist with the Lord in prayer, not to be pointing our finger to the Lord, but to continue to ask for God's mercy and persist. And he gave up after asking for just 10. One of the lines here in Colossians that I think is just so beautiful because it's uh, St. Paul when he writes and is reminding the people of, number one, Christ crucified. You know, remember why and who we are as Christians. We are Christians because of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. We receive God's grace again through the resurrection of the Lord. He is our Lord. And, and St. Paul says, that our transgressions, they're obliterated and they're nailed to the cross. And so whatever difficulty, crisis, sin you have, sin of the world, we're just hearing about um, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, nail it to the cross. I think if you could just even take that image from this small, it's just a small portion of Paul to the Colossians in today's reading is that we want to nail that to the cross. We want to, we want to remember that, that 
there is a purpose and a reason for us to repent, to, to really reflect upon and grieve over the sins, over the wrongs that we have done, the sins that have been committed against humanity over time and nail them to the cross and really be willing to repent and to change our lives. We really are called as Christians to do that, not just to keep living the way that we've always been living and think, well, Jesus died for us and everything should be fine. No, we are called every day to repent, to repent, to nail it to the cross. That means to let go of those sins, those bad habits, those complaints, those ailments of the heart, those unforgivenesses, we must nail them to the cross and invite the Lord to work through those to heal us and to bring us closer to him. Now, here we go. Uh, pray like Jesus. We uh, think about this. The, 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 the chapter begins, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Jesus was praying in a certain place. We don't know where he was praying. We don't know how he was praying, but we could kind of imagine how would have Jesus been praying? And when he had finished, the disciples said to him, or one of the disciples. So one of my questions is, were the disciples close and they were peering off into the distance and they saw Jesus praying? How did they know he was praying? Did they hear Jesus vocally pray? Were there vocal prayers, scriptures? Was Jesus calling out to the Father? You know, how was Jesus praying? Was he on his knees? Was he laying prostrate on the ground? Was his, were, was his hands opened up wide? We don't know. But he was praying. And when he had finished, the disciples wanted to know how to pray. You know, they had been taught, and they certainly, as Jews, would know how to pray in their Jewish tradition, in the synagogues, and through reading scripture. But now they have this new rabbi, this new teacher, this new master, who is claiming to be the Messiah. And little by little, they start to believe more and more that he truly is the Messiah. And so they're asking Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, I think it's interesting. We want to be like John. John the Baptist was teaching his followers how to pray. Now, we know in John's heart and in how John was teaching, he was teaching his followers to guide them to the Lamb, you know, to Jesus. And so once, once Jesus began his public ministry— and then John the Baptist was assured, here we go. Here is the Messiah. I need to lead these people. But isn't it interesting? The disciples are like, well, we want to be like John, but yet Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is not John. Jesus is not doing the work that John was doing. Jesus is the son of God. And so with their small minds at the moment, they're asking they want to be part of the picture. They want to be part of this movement. And part of the movement is to know how to pray. To be a Christian is to know how to pray. And we start small and we grow. We start as an infant or as a, as a toddler and learning our, our, our night prayers, a prayer at, at our meals, 
prayer at the beginning of the day. And as we continue to grow, we learn more and more how important it is to pray and to be in a, a posture of prayer throughout the day. That's really a posture of thanksgiving. We may not have the words of the prayer on our lips, but we're always in gratitude. We're always in a thanksgiving. We're always recognizing that God is our creator, that God provides these blessings, that my life is but by the grace of God. So Jesus responds and he says this, and we have through the gospels, a couple versions of what we know today as the Our Father prayer. And he begins with the word Father. And that should strike us. I think we're so used to in the year 2022, to say the Our Father prayer, that we don't realize that to call God, Yahweh, Father, which, which assumes a relationship between father and son, father and daughter, father, there's this kinship, this relationship, this affection, this personal relationship comes with the declaration of father, father. And if he didn't say anything else, that should be our prayer to call God, our father, father. And then the prayer goes on to explain a little bit more hallowed, holy are you, Holy are you, Father, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, not my will, not how I want things to be, not how I expect the Messiah to be. And remember that the Jews were expecting this strong leader who is going to turn over the reign of the Romans and bring things back into line for the Jewish people and to, to take them out of slavery, take them out of this persecuted state, so to speak, and to lead them to freedom. But it's God's kingdom that will be done, not the kingdom that they think of in their terms of living life in that way. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us what we need. Give us this breath for what we need today. Not what I want. Oh, I'd like to have a lot of different things. I'd like to have this particular thing work well, and this project that I'm working on work well, and this amount in my bank account to rise, and all of the things that I'd like to have done today. But no, the prayer is give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. Our God forgives us as we are repentant. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. So we must be the ones who begin with a forgiving heart, with a merciful heart, to forgive those who have offended us, to be in a state of repentance, to repent for the littlest sins, for the biggest sins, to recognize what is sin an offense to others, an offense to God, an offense to our own humanity. When we offend and discredit our humanity, 
that we are created in the image and likeness of God, that is an offense, that is a sin. We need to repent of that and change our ways. And do not subject us to the final test. Those are the words from Jesus. And so a form of that prayer today we know as the Our Father prayer. Now, one thing I want to point out that I think is interesting because there is this sense of persistence and the little parable, the little story that Jesus talks about is somebody comes to your door at midnight, they are in need of some loaves of bread to take care of a visitor who came unexpectedly, they knock on your door, they are seeking aid, and you don't want to get up out of your bed, your children and you are asleep, and you certainly can't respond to that need. But God says, Jesus says in this case, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of his friendship. Now, some of you, if somebody's knocking at your door or maybe they're texting you <laughs> these days in the middle of the night saying, hey, I really need X. And because you really are a good friend of that person, you might be willing to, at the very first connection, prayer, respond to that need. Oh, it's so-and-so. And I, yep, I, I'd be happy to help that person. I'll get out of bed, be uncomfortable and to respond to their needs. But even if they had that friendship, oh, but I'm just so tired and I just really don't want to get up out of bed. Jesus says he will get up to give him, now here's the interesting thing, to give him whatever he needs. Now, he's asking in the parable for, what, three loaves of bread. But what is it that he really needs? And see, that's the thing. The Lord will give us what we need. We might be asking for a particular thing. Friend, I need these loaves of bread for this particular situation. But Jesus is saying he will give him what he needs because of his persistence. So if we continue to persist in prayer... He will give us what we need. Now, I heard uh, just the other day a comment about God does answer all prayers. He answers with either a yes, with a no, that's an answer to prayer, or a not now. And, and that's, I think, a simple way of looking at, you know, we have a prayer, we have a need, we present the need. How that need will be fulfilled, we just don't know. So to say, Lord, here's my need, and this is how I want you to fill it, is not a prayer. You're, you're really telling God how to respond to your need. Whereas really, we put the needs out there. I love my son. My son's sick. Please intercede on, on the needs of my son. You name the need that you have. Now, how will that be fulfilled? We have to leave it up to the Lord. Everyone who asks, that means we verbalize it. We ask, we receive. When we seek, we find. And I think about seeking, when we're seeking in a prayer, the answer to prayer may be a way of understanding better, maybe a way of understanding the other. Maybe it's in a conflict. Maybe it's in an illness to better understand and to trust in the Lord. So when we seek in our prayer, it may be that we find understanding, that we find peace. There may be not a resolution in the conflict that we're thinking of, 
but maybe now we're seeking and finding now forgiveness, understanding, patience. And again, when we knock, when we persistently knock and ask that the door will be opened. Sometimes when we're discerning an answer to a question, it might be, should I, should I pursue this job? Should I pursue this ministry? Should I let go of a particular job or ministry or take on a particular role? Uh, it might be things like that. And, and we, have a interesting phrase, you know, when, when one door shuts, another window opens. So maybe we shut the door because we leave our job and we have a window open that we're able to spend full time as a, in a homeschool situation, taking care of our children at home. You know, I've been talking with some women about those decisions in their family life of, of just shutting the door to that particular career that takes them outside of the home and that their window opens for them to be able to stay focused on the needs of their family. And what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful answer to prayer. And finally, this, this last sentence, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so at the close, I just want to remind ourselves, I want to remind myself, that's why I have behind me here uh, this way, this uh, little image of the dove, the image of the Holy Spirit, to remember to call on the Holy Spirit at all times, to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance, to seek that the Holy Spirit will help us to see an open door, to see an open window, to recognize when a door has been closed. If we are supposed to like leave a situation or turn the other way or to let it go, right? let it go. There's a door that's closed. And sometimes we keep banging our head against the door that's closed for a reason, because we need to grow in deeper trust and dependence of our Lord. So let's call upon the Holy Spirit to help us make those decisions that we will recognize the closed doors, we'll go through the open window, and we'll feel that fresh air. Right now in the summer season here where I live, it's been getting rather warm. And at night, we open up on the east and the west sides of our home, our windows, and we just let that cool air blow in. It just feels so refreshing after a, a whole day of this heat. And so like that in our lives, to open up the window, open up the window of the Holy Spirit to just blow refreshment, to blow in peace and consolation, and then let go of those complaints and criticisms and difficulties. Let those go out. And so let's pray like Jesus and let us invite the Holy Spirit to guide us throughout our daily lives. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Have a blessed summer season. I'll look forward to talking with you again next week. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com 
or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.